0: From the back lot of Skywalker Ranch, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who were C-3PO's fluffer, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Ho, ho, ho. One of the listeners is working blue. Corey. That was written by Tav Rainey. He can attack my Death Star Trench anytime. My goodness. This yeah. show, we're going to get censored by someone.
1: <laughs> you, you, me, and uh, and MIA.
0: Yeah. How, oh, and how about that Super Bowl? What about it? I don't know. It seemed
1: like a boring game to me, except at the end. I yeah. mean, am I crazy? It just seemed like a boring game. It was a boring game. And then at the end, it's all, it's all in that one play, which, is, of course, is awesome when it comes down to the last play. Yeah. But other than that, I was kind of bored.
0: Yeah, I was, too. But the commercials, were, there were a few interesting commercials. You
1: know what? I have to say commercials this year, lame.
0: Lame, but lame. there were four good ones. There were four good ones. And, and one of them was not necessarily the Clint Eastwood one, which I know everybody was all excited about. It's halftime in America. I, I don't, yeah. Get know, off my it, lawn, Iran. I mean, whatever. But I liked the, uh, I particularly liked the Acura commercial. The, uh, the one with Jay Leno and uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I thought that was funny. Yeah, you know, Leno. Uh, that was Leno, very funny.
1: Leno showed up in two commercials yesterday. He was in two spots. What was the other one? It was one where he was in a he was in a uh, it, it was an NBC promo for something. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, In a, yeah, an yeah, elevator yeah, right. with Madonna. You're,
0: that's right. That's right. That's right. And
1: yeah. then the other one, uh, the, yeah.
0: whatever. But the but the the accurate commercial was funny, and uh, I love the M and M's commercial, uh, except unless you, if you've if you have not seen, you know, uh, uh, the uh, the video that it references, wiggle, wiggle 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 the uh, L M F A O. Video. Uh,
1: I've seen nothing.
0: Yeah. Okay. I really well, I, never mind.
1: I, I I'm so uh, viral video. I, I'm, I'm like a a black hole of viral videos. The, okay, v- viral videos come to me to die, to stop being popular, because like like I've never set. seen the evolution of dance. You know the you know the evolution of dance on YouTube. Yeah. has literally 183 million views. Yeah, of which not one of them is mine. Yeah, because I've never seen it.
0: I've seen it. And you know what? The it the that great.
1: The, the kid who, who b- 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 he bit his finger. Yeah. Oh, Timmy bit my finger.
0: Yeah. Never saw it. Okay.
1: And Who would want to see that anyway? I don't. And you know what? You know what makes me angry the is that is here's, the thing, here's what makes me angry. Yeah. Is that? And I, I work at a major cable network, and sure you do. I, I deal with I deal with this a lot with some I, I, some of the younger members of the staff.
0: You work at a, a major cable network, and uh, and I work out. I work out. I work out. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Okay. Never mind.
1: Um. The problem is you get these, get these guys and they, they – and I, I said this to one of my uh, staffers. Mm-hmm. I said the problem is nowadays you pick up your iPhone and you take a, a, you take a video of, of your cat peeing on the rug and it gets 50,000 views on YouTube and you think you're Scorsese. I know. You're not. I know. Stop it. <laughs> you know, you work in TV now. No, it's time I to know. step up to the plate. I know. And they just they just don't think that. I know. They're like, dude, my I have 500 Facebook friends. I'm the king of everything. No, you really not. No. It's just
0: the worst. Sad. We have, uh, we have a couple of uh, listener uh, audio me- emails. I know. Thank answer. you very much. Yeah. Gods
1: at digigods.com. Yeah. Keep them
0: coming. I got a couple of them in this week, so we're going we're to read those to you or, or play those to you. We don't read them. We just play them. Um, yeah, Super Bowl, whatever. Uh, I don't care. You know what? Um, I want to start off real quick before we get into anything else. There's, there is a very interesting development that has taken place over in the land of Kino Lorber. Uh, you know, Kino and Lorber Films, uh, not too long ago, formed an alliance to release a lot of really cool films from the Lorber Library, which has floated around from company to company over the years, you know, all the way back to Fox Lorber. Some of you probably have Fox Lorber DVDs. Well, Kino Lorber is now the proud distributor of the Redemption Library, which has also floated around from time to time. Uh, These are all kind of classic gothic uh, horror films, primarily foreign, and in this case they have now released five of the uh, great films of Jean Roland, who is sort of the French version of, uh, I don't know, like a, like a Lucio Fulci or one of those giallo filmmakers. Anyway, in the 60s and 70s, Jean Roland kind of uh, held down the French end of all of those creepy, spooky gothic horror films that showed up in England as hammer horror films and in America as, like, Roger Corman films, especially the Poe films, and in Italy as Giallo films, and these are kind of the French variations of those. Um, the number—they're all numbered one through five. This first batch of them, and the Nude Vampire—not a great title, Mark. The Nude Vampire. No, no,
1: a better title. Yeah. The Nude Bomb. Oh yeah. The Get Smart film. I love that with the desk driving mm-hmm. down the freeway. It's so it's best. That needs to be on Blu-ray badly. I don't. I don't know. Badly.
0: Badly, <laughs> really seriously, badly needs to be on. Uh...
1: Wait, okay, that. Or Lawrence of Arabia, be honest. Which oh. one needs to be on Blu-ray first? Oh. I know. That's How about tough. the new Lawrence of Arabia? Oh. Where Lawrence, in, in, at the beginning, instead of being on a motorcycle... Max he, of Arabia. In, in, instead of being on a motorcycle at the beginning of Lawrence of Arabia and he yeah. crashes, he'll be on a desk going down and the desk will crash. There you go. The, 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 this is humor just for Wade.
0: Yes, it is. Anyway, The Nude Vampire is uh, a little bit cheesy. It's not uh, Roland's best film, but it's, uh, you can watch it in uh, French or in English, English dubbed or French with the English subtitles. Please always watch the original French version. Uh, you got a great interview on here with uh, Jean Roland himself, which I think is actually probably better than the movie, and a uh, great booklet by uh, Tim Lucas of Video Watchdog, some cool trailers for some of the other films in this series, and uh, the movie itself, you know... Um, it it's, it features um Jean-Roland's brother in it uh if you can believe that and uh you know a bunch of other people basically about a guy who wants to be immortal and um you know what there's this this mute orphan vampire woman and she's kind of hot but uh the movie itself you know it feels a little threadbare compared to his his stuff and not it's almost I don't know. It doesn't, like, doesn't feel fully fleshed out. The Iron Rose, on the other hand, which is high creep factor, takes place in a cemetery, is pretty great. And uh, really, really terrific uh, performance here by Francoise Pascal. Uh, the cemetery is beautifully shot, just really intensely creepy, and uh, you know has a high, high gothic factor. The Blu-rays of all of these, by the way, are really, really excellent. The, uh, the one thing that Kino Lorber apparently has done is gone back to the original elements. And uh, they've really done a great number on these. Um, they all just kind of pop as far as the color is concerned. Much more so than I would have expected even of a Hammer film. So it's uh, they've done a really nice job there. The Blu-rays especially. Uh, another one is Fascination, which uh, is uh, not for the faint of heart. Now, all of these have this really cool gothic period feel to them. So remember, they're like French art films crossed with exploitation horror films. So you're always going to have that kind of art film quality to it that feels a little bit exploitative and almost like a porn film. But just so that you're aware of that, uh, this is gorgeous anamorphic, um, not-so-widescreen, 166, but, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like a Bergman film crossed with, uh, I don't know, um, like a Bergman film crossed with a cannibal film or something. (laughs)
1: You wait, but Bergman did did that, did that whole uh, 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 cannibal zombie series. He did.
0: He remember did. that? Yeah. Very it's artsy. not really it's not not a cannibal film, but it's like, you know, it's like it like you know what, it's like if a Bergman film became a porn film, became a horror film. Does that make sense? It does not. Yeah, never mind. It's impossible to describe. Uh The Shiver of the Vampires, another vampire bit here. The Shiver of the Vampires is uh from 1971. And uh, visually, really, really cool. I think from a, just from a, a pure visual photographic standpoint, this is right up there with uh, Mask of the Red Death of Cormans. Wow. And you know who shot Mask of the Red Death, don't you? Uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. Uh, just because we were talking about him John earlier. John Toll. No. Ooh. But you're, you're not far off. He, uh, he later became a director. He directed movies like, oh, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh, Nic- Nicholas, Nicholas Rogue. Rogue. That's right, Nicholas Rogue, who, by the way, shot the Mask of the Red Death after David Lean had fired him off of Doctor Zhivago, did you know that? I did not. Because he had been a camera operator on Lawrence of Arabia. When you watch the credits of Lawrence of Arabia, look for it. Nicholas Rogue was a camera operator well, on did, Lawrence.
1: Did you know what Rogue did a lot of camera operators. Did, a lot. He, did he operate Tons. for like uh, Richard Lester? He may know? have. I don't know why I have that. In but my he was head. on
0: Lawrence, and he was going to get kicked up to DP for uh, for Zhivago, and then he and Lean just did not see eye to eye.
1: I can I cannot imagine Nicholas <laughs> Rogue and David Lean seeing eye to eye visually. I
0: know, right? Yeah, anyway, uh, well. Anyway, this is uh, the whole cool castle gothic of uh, the Shivers of the Vampires. You will uh, thoroughly enjoy. It's right up there in the Mask of the Red Death vein. And then, lastly, um, the one that I think might be the, the best of the lot, really, uh, because it feels more like a real film. It has a it has a it has a real kind of art film quality to it, despite the creep factor. Uh, and it's a high creep factor. This is Lips of Blood. Isn't that pretty? Isn't that pretty? Isn't that a pretty title, Lips of Blood? Uh, no this is uh this is really really first rate and the script is particularly good so uh, you get a film that 's not just all about the shock factor and the and the groovy look and the so forth, but the story actually is very very cool um, the um, The whole thing is sort of centered around the i guess the we could say the horror of childhood and uh the way that things haunt you in in the crevices of your mind and the, the valleys of your past. <laughs> the
1: crevices of your mind and the valleys of your the, past. Yeah. A bit of... All right, wait, I'm going to do some uh, music. Because, so anyway, um, uh, genre, man,
0: you know, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're done with genre land, but seriously, check out these five films. The, uh, the, the blu-rays are just gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's really a, uh, Kino has been doing a great job and, most of it has been really primarily with silent films in black and white. But, boy, these, are, these just look sparkling. The, the color is really rich. And the reds, especially, in the last two. Um, very, very sharp. They don't bleed. Uh,
1: Wade, let's do some music. Are you into that? You rock it. I will rock it. Wade, uh, there's a couple of really good uh, musical Blu-rays out. One is uh, the Unheard Music X. Now, X, for those who don't know... Very uh, influential Los Angeles punk band. In fact, they pretty much in the late 70s kind of started that whole punk movement. And um, they were very influential, especially in town. And be- And um, between 1980 and 1985, they shot this documentary, this performance piece that became The Unheard Music. And uh, it's finally on Blu-ray. And it is really good stuff. John Doe. Maybe you've heard of John Doe. Oh, yeah. John Doe and Exine Cervanka have survived all these years. Uh, they're still around there still kicking you know as opposed to all these other punk bands they've either you know flamed out or or died or whatever but the unheard music is a great snapshot of a very interesting time in the local music scene so i highly recommend uh that also musically we have uh the richard thompson band live at celtic connections uh this is a uh this is just richard thompson's uh set at this um annual Celtic Connections Festival, which is at uh, the Royal Concert Hall in Glasgow. By the way, Glasgow, been there. Nice town.
0: Yeah, I need to go.
1: Uh, you do need to go. Yeah. By the way, ev- everything in Ireland and Scotland automatically is cool. It just is.
0: Billy Connolly's from Glasgow. That's why I have to go. i got to go track him down, even though he lives here.
1: <sighs> Didn't he just make the news for something? Wasn't he like arrested or something? Billy Connolly? He did something bad. People made fun really? of him. He got booed off the stage or something. Really? He, got something. He, he got booed off the stage. No, here's what it is. He got booed off the stage twice, within like a week span. Billy, for doing what? For being not funny.
0: He's um, hilarious.
1: Anyway, this is filmed in January of 2011, and this is a, and Richard Thompson is a very cool guy, and he's got a really cool band that includes like saxophone and flute and violin and so really interesting instrumentations and sounds. And uh, live at Celtic Connections is a really good um, uh, sort of a. It's like an omnibus piece. If you want to know all about Richard Thompson, uh, check it out on Blu-ray. It looks really nice, too, because, again, it was shot in J- uh, January of 2011. Um, this is super cool. This is Doors, Mr. Mojo Rise, and the Story of L.A. Woman. And those who don't know the Doors, they were also a very L.A. band Jim Morrison went to. Where, where did Jim Morrison go to school?
0: Went to UCLA Film School. Dud. In, f- in fact, I just, one of my... Uh, Old Professors, whose book just came out, and we're going to be plugging that in about a week or so because it's a fantastic book, but he was actually uh, in school with Morrison. I just had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh,
1: oh, got, yes. Name dropper. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is all about the Doors album, L.A. Woman. I don't know if you know the story of L.A. Woman. In the 70s, they got together in L.A., and they were going to record this brand-new album, but the producer, who had produced all of the Doors' previous albums, didn't like any of the songs and quit. And so the Doors decided that they would produced the album themselves and with somebody else. Um, and so this other guy they brought in, this guy Bruce Botnick, he kind of gave the Doors that sound, that that spontaneous, very earthy, live, fun sound, and uh, it became a classic, L.A. Woman. And this is all about the making of the album. Uh, Mr. Mojo Rising, The Story of L.A. Woman. This is on Blu-ray, though. obviously it's, you know, not great because this is very very vintage uh, material here also this blu-ray is very notable because there is a previously unreleased track which is actually in the news a couple weeks ago called she smells so nice this is a previously unreleased song from the doors that is available on this blu-ray mr. mojo rising so check it out all you doors lovers you know you're out there Wade major
0: yes you betcha
1: sticks I uh, you know what I liked sticks when I was uh, young because I was stupid that's why I like Styx cuz I was stupid. Um, Styx was a uh how Styx was sort of this very theatrical rock and roll Mr. band. Mr. Roboto.
0: They did this Domo Morigato. Yeah.
1: They 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 did a couple they did, did a concept album called Mr. Roboto which I was a big love deal. That. Before that they had an album called uh, The Grand Illusion which was kind of a big deal for them. Yeah. Um, this is be- I mean this is beautifully shot. They had 11 cameras at the Orpheum Theater in Memphis and high definition cameras. And so you've got really good stuff from Styx, all their classics from uh, Grand Illusion and Pieces of Eight also, including uh, Fooling Yourself, Come Sail "Come Sail Away. Yeah. Come Sail Away with me. You know, I love life. that.
0: That's the, the whole prog rock era, which I just think is fabulous. Do you really? Yeah, I love all prog rock.
1: All right. This is called Styx, the Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight Live. Check that out. Uh, Queen. Everyone loves Queen. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, Wade Queen's making the news too.
0: Yeah, Did you I know. Hear the news? No.
1: Adam Lambert is going to be the new lead singer. You know, of Queen. that was
0: rumored like two years ago. It was. That was rumored two years ago. It's about time they get around to doing that, finally. That's a good move. Really? It's a good move. I, is
1: he that talented, that guy? Yeah. Really? He is,
0: yeah. Yeah, ask me, many, not, ask me how
1: many episodes of American Idol I've seen. How many? Zero.
0: All right, same here. But you know what? He is talented. He he doesn't just have the theatricality of, of, of Freddie, but he has the he has the range. He has the voice. He can do it. I mean, I I, I I I would normally say, wow, what a what a pandering thing that is. But no, if there's anybody who can who can step into those shoes and do justice to them, he can do it.
1: Uh, Queen Days of Our Lives is new yeah. uh, Blu-ray. All about the making of the band. Uh, they started in 1971, they released like 26 albums and sold hundreds of millions of copies <clears throat> of their music, and this is a uh, is it definitive, well, you know, kind of, sort of, but maybe not, because um, it does include new interviews, so I guess you do get them reflecting back on this time with kind of decades to kind of really, you know, parse their behavior and kind of put it all together and what it really means, um, it does have a bunch of archive stuff too, thank goodness, including their very first TV performance, which is just terrific. Um, anyway, so the Blu-ray includes 90 minutes of uh, bonus material, which is great. There's videos, "We Are the Champions," "Under Pressure," "Radio Gaga." By the it's rumor it has that Lady Gaga got her
0: name. Oh, from Radio from, Gaga. That's
1: the rumor, but I don't really know much about Lady Gaga.
0: Have I? She, have, she wears meat.
1: Have uh, You know what? I've told, have, have I told you My theory about Lady Gaga No I might have told you this. Actually I might have told you This on this show But I'll say it again Okay I believe that Lady Gaga um, Is Is outrageous and He's does, a man And does No I believe Lady Gaga Is outrageous And does her whole Lady Gaga thing Because The girl Who is Lady Gaga She um, I believe that she Was insecure and felt that she could never make it based on her looks alone because she's not that attractive if you see her just walking down the street. So she mm-hmm. had to create this Lady Gaga persona yeah. and be as unbelievably beyond outrageous as you can possibly be because she knows that gets attention. Yes. So it wasn't like she was naturally beautiful and she was going to show up on the red carpet and just be a glamorous mm-hmm. young singer. Mm-hmm. She was insecure about her looks okay. and thought she was in some small town where she's from, New York, I think. And uh, so she developed this whole persona and this outrageous thing because it was a self-esteem issue. Yeah, okay. She didn't have it on her own. Okay. Just saying. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to argue
0: with you. It may be true. true. I don't know.
1: Anyway, Owl City is this uh, bizarre little, they're like this electronica band. Um, It's really kind of led by this one guy, Adam Young, and they formed in 2007 in Minnesota. And what... I don't like all their music, but I have to say that uh, what I like about this guy, this Adam Young guy, is that he is um, very experimental. He really tries new stuff out, tries new instrumentations, new sounds, new colorings, and I really like it. And uh, the Blu-ray is called Owl City Live from Los Angeles. It was filmed uh, last July at Club Nokia. So they were really loaded to bear with um, high-definition cameras, so it does look great on Blu-ray. You know, these guys, I don't know that they've ever had any album, any song in the top. 100 quite frankly But if you like this guy You will totally dig Owl City Live From Los Angeles If nothing else If you are fans of Experimental music And you know Different types of Instrumentations Cool kind of Iconoclastic Unique songwriters And musicians You will dig uh, This Blu-ray Otherwise Go get Queen
0: Okay, I'm going to uh, crank through a couple of uh, indie titles here real quickly, and then we'll do some foreign, and then we'll do our uh, listener uh, audio mail. we got to get a proper name for that. Cause, like, like,
1: How about audio mail? You know what? Help, help! I'll tell you what. Help us come up with a name for audio mail.
0: Yeah, name for audio mail.
1: Gods at digigods.com. If you would like to name our That's audio it. mail segment. That's it. I, there's, I just made that up, so there's no prize? No. I just, just made it up?
0: We'll, we'll, we'll uh, give you credit.
1: We'll give you credit. Yeah. <laughs> every time we use it, we'll give you credit. Because we, we don't have audio mail every week. Oh, that's true. So we could we could give credit every week to the person who they'll comes probably, up with the name. They'll
0: probably name it after themselves.
1: But then they wouldn't win.
0: Like, like Fred mail. The whole idea is they have to win. I guess.
1: So anyway, so here we go. We just pulled a contest out of our butts. Yeah, there we go. Name That's our, what we do. Name our audio mail segments and your uh, suggested titles to gods at com. We will have some audio mail in mere moments right after Wade is done talking about.
0: Well, I'm uh, going to blow through a couple of these. Just These are weird little indies. Uh, you know, might be of interest to somebody. The Undying from MTI is a uh, – it's kind of a silly little horror film about a woman who works at a hospital and uh, – there's a ghost in her house, and she wants the ghost to kind of give life to a guy who who died at the hospital. And, of course, that's a bad idea, as it always is. These things never turn out well. You don't ever go, yay, the ghost. It's a nice ghost, a nice benevolent ghost. never works out that way. Uh, even worse uh, as far well, a better film, but even worse in terms of the consequences of the actions involved, is Into the Lion's Den which is this interesting thriller uh, from Breaking Glass. This is the kind of thing that would normally play at a gay and lesbian film festival, but really shouldn't. It's completely crossover and uh, directed by Dan Lance, who I've never heard of, but who's got some chops. Good little thriller about three guys who uh, just figure they had it with the whole gay scene in uh, in L.A., and they uh, decide to go to New York, and along the way, they get up, well, after a rather long road trip, they wind up uh, going into this bar, called The Lion's Den, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. They should have known better. And, of course, you know, just things don't turn out well. Let's just say somebody's been watching them and whatnot.
1: Well, if they turned out well, there'd be no movie.
0: There'd be no movie. Uh, Jim's Gift is this bizarre, weird, tweaked little cult film from 1996 that I never heard of. So I wonder where this even comes from because we're on the verge of, like, Blu-ray, or not Blu-ray, but DVD at the time. I mean, 96 is, you know, DVD came around, what, 99?
1: Uh, yeah, was yes. 99?
0: It was 99 when DVD first emerged. This is, this is still dealing with VCR culture. This film's like a decade too late or a decade and a half too late. Anyway, uh, th- this little kid comes into possession, like a strange man gives him this uh, VCR that can play the past and the future. And, of course, everything just gets completely absurdly ridiculous and weird after that. It's called Jim's Gift. Not particularly good, but it's, like, definitely weird and culty. Um, answer to this is uh, completely pointless, uh, but, I get, you know, the cast is relatively endearing, I suppose. But it's otherwise a totally pointless, uh, like, college romance movie. And um, it's all kind of built around, uh, you know, trivia contests. And I don't really get it. But there's a commentary on here with uh, Mike Farah. And uh, who is probably better known as the producer of Funny or Die. And he produced this as well. And it's okay, I guess. Um, but I don't really know why they made this movie. Uh, the one really good film here, as always, is from Film Movement, who's just terrific. And by the way, Film Movement released a film last week that I talked about on NPR, The, uh, the King of Devil's Island, with Stellan Skarsgård, a Norwegian film. What a great movie. Seriously, honestly, that is such a great movie. And uh, Protector, P R O T E K T O R, is is also a really really good movie. I don't know why this didn't wind up in theaters, but uh, this is a Czech film about a couple who live in Prague uh, right when the Nazis invade. She is an actress and she's Jewish. He is not Jewish but he has to somehow find a way to uh, you know, navigate the politics of the invading Nazis to save his wife's life. And the whole thing is a bit of a melodrama but one of those kind of World War II you know, invaded people melodramas that we get out of the Eastern Bloc every so often. But uh, it's quite well done. Very, very nicely uh, put together. This won the Denver Film Festival and it also comes with a a cool short film from Canada isn't that funny Canada makes good films Canada makes great animated films in particular and uh, this is called I Was a Child of Holocaust Survivors really 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 good um, definitely check that one out so this is another fine release from Film Movement
1: wait let's uh, it's my favorite time of the show foreign. good night everybody no foreign um, no it's um...
0: <laughs> we're going to do foreign
1: no we're not we're going to do uh, Criterion
0: Criterion oh, well, Criterion up. Foreign
1: that is true. These are all foreign films from Criterion. Uh, first, we have um, Godzilla. Godzilla from nineteen fifty four, finally out. This, of course, is um, the monster film that really, you know, what this was. The, look, there was there was the Frankenstein's and the uh, the you know the Draculas and whatnot, but Godzilla. We're talking post war paranoia. So totally into it. H bomb. Post-war, we have a a. a mon- it's a great film. It's People, a great film.
0: The other Godzilla movies that came after, with the guy in the big suit, and the mothra and everything, there's like, no, there's like three three
1: dozen sequels of this that are all terrible. But the original Godzilla or Gojira, Gojira, is was fantastic, yeah. amazing. This is a great film, and of course, Criterion has done an amazing job putting this together. New high definition transfer, a great audio commentary uh, by David Kala, who puts some, who puts the film in uh, historical perspective, especially from the Japanese. Because look, don't forget, we're talking after World War II, H bomb, the whole yep. nine yards. The only, the only nation ever to be bombed yep. by a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a lot of fears. that they, had worked, they worked out through their cinema.
0: And David is a great guy and a real scholar. He used to run All Day Entertainment, which uh, released a number of really, really cool titles that are st- like real collector's editions now because nobody else has released them. But they're great.
1: So, yeah, so this is just really great stuff. This is Godzilla. I mean, you, you can't not at least rent Godzilla. And by the way, when you see it, you won't, you, you, you won't laugh. This is not cheese ball time. It's not like Mothra versus uh, whatever. This is this is this is the big one. This is a great great film. So that's uh, number one from um, the good folks at Criterion. Also, we have uh, La Jite, Sans Soleil, two films from the great Chris Marker. Chris Marker is a weird little French guy who's still yeah. around. Chris Marker is still
0: around. guy. I know. He must be in his eighties. And he doesn't do interviews. He's so reclusive. Yeah, he, he, the guy's he's a
1: poet and a novelist and a photographer. And this and La Jite is one of the most influential sci fi in- films ever made. It inspired 12 Monkeys. It inspired 12 Monkeys. That is yeah. very true. And uh, what's great about this film is that it is about as experimental as Chris Marker gets because it's all still photographs. Which is
0: so cool. It's the whole so movie,
1: cool. ladies and gentlemen, still photographs. Absolutely. Now, with that comes uh, Sans Soleil, which is uh, from 1980. Now, La Gitae was 63 and Sans Soleil yeah. is 83. And they're yeah. both sort of in that sci fi vein. Sans Soleil is, you know, not as. Influential as La Gite, but still very good. Yes. Um, the disc features include a uh, interview with a filmmaker Jean-Pierre Garin, who, who was a contemporary of Chris Marker. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Uh, great booklet. Uh, there's a, a six minute film, film from Marker, co-directed by Marker called Junk Junk Opia. Yeah. Which is terrific. Um, and an excerpt, two excerpts from a French television series. Um, talking about La Gitae and a David Bowie music video for the song Jump They Say, which is inspired by La Gitae. And And uh, it's just great stuff. So... Uh, La Lagite Sansole, Soleil Very highly recommended Finally Sweet. From the good folks At uh, Criterion We have a, a, a movie That I will not discuss That much Because it is about Bullfighting And I hate bullfighting Because it's cruel mm. so, But it's called The Moment of Truth This was uh, directed by uh, Francesco Rossi huh?
0: It's a good film all, the, all Rossi's films Are really good Nobody, yeah, well, nobody really knows About him here
1: Well you know why Because he makes films About horrible Discussing things Like bullfighting <laughs> How about Seal Clubbing Maybe you should do A movie about seal clubbing
0: Or, or Okay you know what's I'll do it. Seals like to go clubbing. What can I say? Pay, pay me enough, I'll do it. Seals <laughs> like to go clubbing.
1: Ah, eh, good comment.
0: That's the re- that's the reason that Seal uh, and Heidi Klum got divorced because he was gone clubbing. What? <laughs> Never mind.
1: I, I, I just let the silence <laughs> fill the fill the internet. Okay. Anyway, this is uh, 1965, and uh, Rossi is, of course, an Italian director. And the moment of truth is a, um, you know, it's it's all about this bullfighting legend a real life bullfighting legend played this main character yeah. but of course it's very violent and very dramatic and it's just I just uh, and people say it's the best bullfighting movie ever made although you know what go read just some Hemingway he'll do it just fine I'm just I'm not a big fan of bullfighting so screw that movie oh no, but, I said it screw that movie
0: oh yeah Got a bunch of Asian titles here that I'm gonna gonna run through real quickly. The new Kita- uh, Takeshi Kitano film, Outrage. I love Kiteshi- Takeshi Kitano. Love his stuff. But you know what? This is just leaning a little bit too much on the familiar here. He uh, he had done a bunch of Yakuza films early in his career, and then he kind of went in a more interesting direction. Uh, a few more humanistic films, and then he even made a uh, a uh, uh, one of the bl- you know a remake of the the uh, Blind Swordsman films. And uh, for Miramax, and um, now he's back to the whole Yakuza thing, which is really unfortunate, because this just feels like pieces from his other movies all thrown together. It's really about a Yakuza war, uh, a lot of crosses and double crosses and triple crosses, and everybody kind of conniving to you know outmaneuver the other guy, and he gets caught in the middle, and he's kind of a lower level uh, you know Yakuza functionary, and he does the usual you know steely stony face thing, shoots a lot of people, a lot of blood, a lot of clever. Uh, Maneuvering But ultimately It just feels Incredibly familiar Uh, Magnolia's released it On Blu-ray And on DVD We've got the uh, Blu-ray in front of us Which is fine It's not spectacular Donnie uh, Yen starred in a couple of Ip Man films. Ip Man, of course, the legendary kung fu master who taught Bruce Lee, and uh, they had a couple of great films with Donnie Yen in the lead part, playing Ip Man. uh, Both of which were sort of the same. One was pre World War II. One was you know after World War II. One fighting the Japanese. The other one fighting the English. But uh, we now have another one. The Legend is Born, Ip Man, and this is a completely different. And by the way, you know, Wong Kar Wai is making an Ip Man movie as well.
1: Is he really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're going to do a, all like
1: all like martial arts. And there's the going to be a
0: third Donnie Yen Ip Man movie because now he's going to be teaching Bruce Lee. So there's going to be three Donnie Yen Ip Man movies. We've got this one, The Legend is Born, which is um, on par with the others, not not quite as uh, as dazzling. But um, then you know you've got the Wong Kar Wai thing. It's kind of kind of crazy. Anyway, uh, Ip Man's actual son appears in this film, and you have really cool performances by uh, Sammo Hung and Yun Bao, who were part of you know the uh, the whole Jackie Chan crew uh, back in the day. And um, Sammo Hung, by the way, did all the fight choreography and even had a part in the second Donnie Yen Ip Man film. That's how what a small shop it is there in in Hong Kong. Anyway, um, no, this is this actually goes back earlier the earlier years of uh, of ip man even before the two donnie yen films and it's it's good it's fine it's got great action it's got great uh, fighting uh just not quite as charismatic a lead i would say as uh, donnie yen You know, Mark, we have this uh, Films That Got Away thing that we do, uh, some of us as part of being members of LAFCA. Uh, Our good friend Ray Green uh, kind of chairs the thing. And we work in tandem with now with – we have worked in tandem with a lot of groups including the American Cinematheque. But now we work annually with the uh, LA Film Festival to program a, a sidebar of films, usually foreign, which have never gotten distribution. And it was a couple of years ago that we included United Red Army, uh, an amazing Japanese film, in that list. And now it has distribution. I don't know if Kino Lorber heard us. I don't know if they paid attention to the... uh to the cries coming out of the L.A. Film Festival that United Red Army needed to have uh, distribution. But uh, nonetheless, here it is. So it has no longer gotten away, and I'd like for us to take a little bit of credit for that. Uh, This is kind of a very cinema-verite thing, and uh, it's a a great bit of filmmaking from the director Koji Wakamatsu, which uh, deals with this fascinating episode in the history of Japan where uh, there was this incredibly radical kind of underground uh, element, leftist element in the 1960s. And uh, it almost, you know, in the 1960s, everybody had their radical leftist element. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like their version of the Symbionese Liberation Army, I suppose, in some respect. but um, Or maybe even like The Shining Path in Peru. You know, They all kind of had that thing going at that time, and uh, that's what this is about. And it is an absolutely terrific film, beautifully made, really very different from most uh, Japanese films uh, just over the last 20 years, and highly recommended. Great DVD release from Kino Lorber. And then on a Blu-ray DVD combo pack is The Coast Guard. No, not the American Coast Guard. This is the uh, the Korean Coast Guard. Kim Ki Duk, who does a lot of really cool, eccentric, uh, wild, and crazy films uh, like Nine Iron. Did you ever see Nine Iron?
1: Ooh, wild movie!
0: Wild movie, right? Yes. Same director, Kim Ki Duk. We love him. He wrote and directed this. It's not his best film in the in the view of a lot of people, but it certainly is one of his more impressive films. It uh, it's very ambitious, and uh, it you know, if you're a Coast Guard in Japan, in Korea, you're you're it's not the same as being Coast Guard in the U.S. You're dealing obviously with all the tension of North Korea and all that craziness and madness. And when this was made, it was, uh, you know, it was dear leader time. Kim Jong-il, craziness. He's the best. He's the best. We love him. No, not really. Uh, we say that incredibly facetiously. Anyway, but it's this is not a big epic thing. It's really um, It's really about one guy and psychologically how he reacts to... Uh, events that transpire as a result of this incredibly high stress job it's, it's, a, it's a cool film and the Blu-ray is really spectacular I mean it is just one of the more gorgeous Blu-rays that I've seen in a long time and uh, this is, comes to us from Palisades Tartan who uh, is really uh, buffing up their library ever since it kind of converted from Tartan to Palisades Tartan but all this stuff is really getting a great new lease on life so very impressive
1: You know what else is very impressive Wade? The uh, four hours and 17 minutes that it will take you to watch Mysteries of Lisbon.
0: I did not watch it. After all of those emails that blew around at Lafka time, everybody screaming, oh, watch Mysteries of Lisbon. Set some time aside. I took a look at how long it was and I said, no, I, I just don't, I don't have the time.
1: Well, it's based on a...
0: Although I know a lot of people loved it. The, yeah, it's, you know, look. And then Raul Ruiz went and died.
1: And then, Raul, and then the director, Raul Ruiz, died, which of course only added to its luster with yeah. member of the, members of the critical community. Um, the thing with Mysteries of Lisbon is based on a very famous Portuguese uh, novel, and so it means a lot to the Portuguese, less to us. And it is a movie that it, you just really have to go with it. It does not tell, <laughs> it does not tell a conventional story in a conventional way. It is unbelievably beautifully, fantastically well shot, but it is purposely just a symphony of. You know, words and, and music and pictures and sound and and discordant, you know, and plot threads that go in and out as you go over the go through the decades with this love triangle. So it's definitely a, a sit. But you know what? Uh, it is well worth it because for, uh, even at four hours and 17 minutes, Mysteries of Lisbon is a great film. Wow. Well, it really is. Sweet. Uh, bonus features include a... Um, uh, uppers to get you through the four hours <laughs> and 17 minutes. It comes a little, a little case right there in the middle. Uh, no, there's a collector's booklet, interview with the screenwriter, and a roundtable discussion of the film, which is really interesting. It was done for French television, so even more subtitles for you to enjoy. But, um, you know, the, people sort of compared this to um, Barry Lyndon at yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the only comparison to Barry Lyndon is that it's beautifully shot. Yeah. I love Barry Lyndon. I think Barry Lyndon is like a gorgeously shot film. It's
0: an amazing film. John Alcott just nailed it. Right. So
1: people compare them on that basis, but, which might be true, but not really from a story standpoint. Yeah. Really, just from a stylistic standpoint. But anyway, Mysteries of Lisbon, great stuff. Um, yes, Wade?
0: Uh, well, I was going to go ahead and uh, do it before you jump into that nightmare. Um, uh, Happy Happy, Terrific Little Norwegian Film. Not great, but certainly very good. This won an award at Sundance uh, last year, I believe. And uh, it's basically a, a ter- it's a terrific lead performance. Uh, the the it really it's just such a such an unusual little film. Uh, the actress um, Agnes, I'm going I hope I'm not, not gonna just murder her name, Agnes Kittleson or Agnes Kittleson. Uh, she plays Kaja, who is this woman who lives in the middle of nowhere in Norway, very rural. And her husband clearly has issues. He just doesn't love her anymore or never loved her in the first place. And she's a little weird and eccentric and quirky and kind of spacey. And then this couple moves in next door who appear to have everything going for them. And, of course, now you've got a, you know, a setup for what would be... You know, are they really happy? Who's happy? And suddenly there's a weird... There are a lot of weird tensions and attractions going on between the two couples. And uh, it's a good character study. A lot of great acting in it. Really uh, a smart little film. Um, Again, not brilliant by any means. There are a lot of good films like this. And this just happens to be one that broke out of the pack. But um, happy, happy. On uh, Blu-ray and DVD from Magnolia, and the Blu-ray is actually much prettier than I expected it to be. I saw this thing projected at the time, and I actually think the Blu-ray looks better than the the film did projected. What the... I know, right? Crazy talk.
1: Wade, uh, Jean-Luc Godard is about 79, 80 years old, and uh, the guy is still making movies. However... He's crazy. He's gone over the deep end. He has not made a coherent film for a long time. He makes these bizarre cinematic essays that are totally impenetrable. And I think he has reached the zenith. He has reached the zenith of his nadir. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say
0: well said.
1: With uh, film socialism.
0: Yeah. Film socialism. And if you uh, have to say it with a with really kind of European verve.
1: I mean, Notre Musique, which I saw at the Cannes Film Festival, I think, in 2004, or something mm-hmm. like that. That yeah. was that one, he was he was teetering. But with this, which is split into three parts, and the first part's set on a cruise ship, and then it goes on from there. It's just this cacophonous, maddening, wild little f- film that just winds up being nothing at the end. I just don't know what to say. Uh, you know, the thing is that when you consider that he continues to work, I wish that he would be... Jean-Luc Godard There's no reason why Jean-Luc Godard Can't continue to be Jean-Luc Godard yeah. But somehow He has just You know When people watch his films now I just think They are giving him The benefit of the doubt But I think At this point You just can't give him The benefit of this doubt anymore I think You just think it's over
0: Yeah I, I'm with you
1: You know So this is available on um, Blu-ray and DVD And
0: uh, I know I know,
1: you know By the way there I'm just letting you know There are two subtitle tracks on the film. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this from the back of the box. Okay. Now, there's a full English translation.
0: Yeah.
1: You you never want to watch the... You never want to hear the translation. You always want to read the subtitles. The other one is in Godar's Navajo English. So, Godar's Navajo English is a one subtitle track, and then the other is the full English translation. Oh, heaven help us. So, all you fans of Navajo Godar's Navajo (laughs) English... To check out that track.
0: Uh, Jean-Jacques Benex is an amazingly brilliant French filmmaker who has not, he just doesn't work often enough. I don't know what the problem is. I've actually you know, I've had dinner with Benex. Did I ever mention that to you? You did not. Yeah, you know, um, a, a, a good friend of ours uh, used to be Benex's agent and some years ago, Benex was in town and he called us up and he said, hey, you know, uh, Benex is coming over for dinner. You guys want to come? And we're like, are w- you serious? Are we going to go, oh, yeah, no, we've got, uh, you know, We've got to, like, cut our nails or something. Of course we're going to be there. So we go over and we uh, meet Jean-Jacques Benex, is wonderful and not at all, you know, creepy and weird and freakish as one might expect from some of his movies. And uh, absolutely just brilliant. Uh, Wonderful guy to talk to. Uh, I just wish he'd make more movies. After he made Diva, which was sort of the film that put him really on the international map, he went and made a film that was just as brilliant in many respects, The Moon in the Gutter, starring Gerard Depardieu and Nastassja Kinski. This is kind of like if Death Wish took a completely bizarre turn. Uh, Gerard Depardieu is a guy who is grieving the uh, his sister's death. She killed herself after being brutally raped, and uh, you think he's going to go out and dig up the people who did it and just really let them have it in Dirty Harry, you know, Charles Bronson style. And he, of course, doesn't. He meets Nastasha Kinsky and uh, this fascinating relationship develops, and eventually things come back around, but it goes in all these weird, intriguing, ex- just psychologically unexpected directions. It's such a good film, and it is out finally on Blu-ray. Cinema Libre has released all of the Jean-Jacques Benek stuff. Um, they are the owners of the Jean-Jacques Benek's collection, which was released as a boxed set on DVD about a year or so ago. And uh, we've had uh, Betty Blue, and now we have The Moon in the Gutter, and it is sensational. Uh, this is all-region Blu-ray, so uh, you know, any of you who are listening from overseas, you want to get a hold of this because you don't have it there yet. By all means, go ahead and get it. What I don't understand is why they indicate that it is—this is, this is interesting, and the specs in the back says NTSC. That doesn't make sense because it's Blu-ray blu-ray shouldn't matter so what i think is i just think they didn't change the information that they put down from the uh from the dvd but in point of fact you could play this anywhere in the world have at it
1: how about uh off world like maybe maybe mars colony like newt gingrich's mars colony can you play it there D- did you
0: see the sketch on saturday night live moon colony no oh it's, it's brilliant it's like the earth has ended and there's a moon colony and gingrich is now the uh, the president of the moon it's hysterical <laughs> it was really good
1: uh, we're big fans of Johnny Toe, but he did not direct this film, Punished. He, uh, produced it.
0: Yeah. He's slapping his name on everything these days.
1: I know. You know what? This is a, this is a, this is a not bad film, but you've got to kind of know what you're going in for. This is a movie about a, uh, this wood, rich industrialist, his, uh, his daughter gets kidnapped and she eventually gets killed. And so the industrialist tells his, you know, personal bodyguard to go pursue the people who killed his daughter. And you think it's gonna be like a revenge sort of thing where it's nothing but just like violence and and just, you know, complete blood and guts everywhere. And really it's kinda of more of a procedural than that, which mm. might be disappointing for some, but I kinda of thought it was interesting. Um there are some violent scenes, lots of gun lots of you know, guns drawn and everything, but I think this is really more of a uh, you know, an internal procedural thing than it is a total like taken vengeance. By the way, you know, they, they had taken on T V the other day great so i sat and kind of watched it maybe so half of it great. so great it's, <laughs> it was great
0: so awesome that's an awesome movie. it is an awesome film i love that film. anyway
1: um all right let's do this real quick um Wade and I are big big fans of tom Tickver. we think this guy is incredibly talented he's the man he is the man he's sort of nicholas winding refiny man right we kind of yeah, like, like totally him. visually we like you what bet. he's about and everything now somehow Tickver wound up releasing a film that like went nowhere in the States. I didn't even know this thing got released in the, Los Angeles, there were a hand,
0: There were a handful of us who were pulling for this at the, uh, the time of our voting. Uh, Tim actually talked about this on the radio. And uh, it, it's a it's a cool film. It just didn't get any proper release. It just got a nothing release. And uh, it should have been... I mean, we if more people had seen this, if more people had watched their screener, and I probably didn't push hard enough at the time that uh, we were throwing those emails around. But if more people had seen this, I think it might have gotten a little bit of traction. Yeah, it's really your fault, Wade. It's my fault. Anyway, entirely. Uh,
1: three... Is an interesting little,
0: and that's the number three. It's not spelled out. It's not Roman numerals. It is, you know, the the number three.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, uh, it's, it's a erotic. story of a it's so uh, erotic. G- it's so erotic. It's it's sort of like this. It's a bit of a screwball comedy. It's a bit of a sexual experimentation-y sort of comedy. It's it, it, a it, small. It's a small
0: film for him. Oh, it's a very small film. Yeah. Obviously, this
1: must have been a script that he just responded to and just wanted yeah. just to do it. Yeah, because uh, it it. This is not a big budget film. It's essentially about a couple in their early 40s. They, they live in Germany, and they've been together for 20 years. And little do they know that they are both falling in love with the same man. Yes. What?
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, so Tickver <laughs> is still a great stylist, and this is not his best film, but you can tell it's a film he just sort of like wanted to do. Yeah. So, hey, why not just do it? And he has the power, and it was low budget, and so just do it. So, um, and I liked it on those terms. Three by Tom Tickfer.
0: Absolutely. To Tom Tickfer. You know, a couple of years ago when I was uh, on my... It's, don't, don't make fun of me for this. When I was on my second stint on a uh, Colcoa jury, one of the films, one of the great French films we had the pleasure of seeing was I'm Glad My Mother is Alive. Uh, this is by the great Claude Miller and his son Nathan. Uh, Claude Miller, of course, is the guy who basically discovered... I mean, not that she needed discovering with famous parents, but he sort of... Uh, you know, he 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 put Charlotte Gainsbourg on the map in many respects. And he, he's just a, a great, great filmmaker, one of the great French directors of the post-New Wave era where, you know, André, André Taichiné and Tavernier and a lot of these guys came out in that really vibrant late 60s, early 70s explosion. Uh, he's one of those guys, and he just does really, really cool films. And um, this is about this very, very troubled kid who um, wants to track down his birth mother. He was given up for adoption, and uh, it is... Boy, it goes in a really, it, it, it takes just some incredibly weird turns, and the kid is unbelievable. I mean, this is really an unbelievable for performance. You are just going to be dazzled, and you'll, you don't know where this movie goes. You just don't. It, it gets dark, and then it gets light, and you get hopeful, and then you get depressed, and it, it really jerks you all over the place, but it's a terrific film. Great, uh, great work from Claude Miller, as always.
1: All oh, right, wait, here's what we're doing. Because we're we're rolling along, we reading, are we're rolling we but we don't realize we got a couple things to do.
0: We got to do our audio uh, audio mail.
1: We do, and when now are, are we talking about the shoebox? Know, I, was, I, was gonna, I was gonna
0: mention this uh, just at the end of the show. Uh, it's kind of a teaser, but we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get
1: to that. Well, let's yeah. I'll tell you, let's do some uh, viewer listener. I always say viewer. Yeah. Because I was I was it's okay I, I viewer was like, mail. I, know. I was weaned on television. I'm a TV producer. I'm used to saying viewer. That's okay. but how about some listener mail?
2: We'll do it. Dear, uh, dear Digi-Gods, uh, my name is Tim Struble from Akron, Ohio. Um, yesterday I started watching the film Paper Lions about the, uh, well, you know it's about, obviously. Now, I was wondering, what is your favorite, uh, sports film, um, that you, in, of all time? Now, uh, I, in addition to that, I, I write, um, some recommendations of sports films that you think are really good, but not that popular. And my second question is, when you guys review movies, what, um, what do you, uh, what do you do with DVDs after you're done that you don't like? Do you, well, wait, do you give them the mark so he can have? (laughs) Just kidding. Or do you, uh, do you just, um, sell them on eBay or something or you just send them back to the, uh, to the studio? Thank you.
0: That's a really great first question. I, I mean, my favorite sports film of all time, I, I guess it's probably Chariots of Fire. You know, it's about the Olympics. It's about two different guys. It's about running. I love running. You know, it's about... It's, it, it's, it's a great movie. And one Best Picture, unexpectedly, I would add. You know, Chariots of Fire was kind of the weird um that was one of the last that two was one time- of the underdoggy that picks. was one- that and, and driving miss daisy are like the last two times in an unexpected film won best picture crash uh, no crash it was obvious i knew that it, no, you, i was at, you, I, was at, I, was at I, I was at your apartment at the time and i i pointed at the tv and everybody else was going like come on broke back and i'm like no no crash i pointed to the tv and they go and best pictures crash and i was like i told you so." no no, no. So. And was, everybody flipped out
1: it was it was jack nicholson
0: yeah Right yeah. Remember
1: he opens up the envelope and he, he goes whoa He actually said
0: it whoa It was so obvious I knew it was Crash oh, But no but yeah uh, Chariots of Fire for me um, It's not that underrated It's kind of been forgotten A little bit But uh, you know they're, they're, uh, Requiem for Heavyweight Is a really really good film That people forget With all the, the boxing films We've had over the last 20, 30, 40 years um, What about you?
1: I'm going to say um, You know what? I'm going to say Raging Bull Yeah that would be my favorite sports film. Pretty great. Now here's the thing though, I, I the the question could be what's your favorite film that has sports in it mm-hmm. or what's your favorite sports film? Like when you say sports film, you usually think of like, you know, The Big Game. Yeah. You know, or that I, kind of a thing. I mean, I Raging Bull, yes, obviously it's a boxing film, but it's a lot more than that,
0: I'm, and, and if you want to discover a film, a, 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 and they all—all all the great sports films are more than that. I'm going to say "Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner," one of the great British films of the 50s, uh, of the Good 50s one. and 60s. You, you got to check that out. "Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner," terrific movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Running movies.
1: How about this? Here's some films that you don't even think of them as being sports mm-hmm. films, but they kind of are. You ready? Yeah. The Hustler. Totally. Sports film? Of course. pool Yeah. And uh, Newman won an Oscar for Color of Money, Mm -hmm. the sequel, like 30 years later. Totally. Here's another one. Big Lebowski. Bowling? Bowling. Come on. Of course. Works for me. Totally. How about this? Searching for Bobby Fischer.
0: Chess? Are we really going to sports? chess? Why not? Really? Really? Okay. You don't think so? I don't know. How dare you? Dodgeball. I love dodgeball. That movie's funny. It is a really funny movie. That's a funny movie. That's a very funny movie. (laughs) We like dodgeball. We do. Yeah, that's like good. Uh, the second question: uh, What do we do with the DVDs when we're done with them? Uh, you know, well, are,
1: are, are these the DVDs that are these the academy screeners, or are these the the ones that we get well, sent for the show?
0: The, the academy screeners we hang on to. If we like them, and then we're obligated to destroy them if we don't. Which we never do. Which, well, you know, it's like they're coded to our names, and they're coded to us. So if they ever wound up being pirated, they'd track it back to us, and we'd, like, get hauled away by the cops and the FBI and thrown in prison. So, you know, if there's one that you really hate, you just destroy it. I don't – I hang on to them all, and I put them in a a binder, you know?
1: Another sports film that's, Mm. like – it's not really about sports, but it's in the sports world, which is a great film. Yeah.
0: Jerry Maguire. True. Very true Show uh, me the money
1: What do I oh, here's, here's what I do Now the, regarding Academy Screeners I have a ritual This is what I do What do you do Watch them all Yeah You know lend a bunch to my mother yeah. And whoever Yeah And when I'm done with them all Yeah I go to Best Buy Yeah I buy one of those big I just did this like three weeks ago Big binder I buy one of those big uh, You know 100 CD case Leather you know, canvas cases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For 100, 100 CDs Yeah Put them all in there that's what you do. now. These, the ones we get
0: sent for the show, I, it's you know, it's, it's a toss up. I mean, uh, we keep uh, the, the good stuff, and a lot of stuff we give away, and uh, you know, it, whatever. It, I mean, it's, it, there's any number of things that we could do: coasters, um, bon, bonfire, bonfire, um, clay pigeons. <laughs> I've, I've you know, throw them like, put them into a little launcher and shoot at them um, using and them. pull and pull. Yeah, I mean, it, it just depends. They accumulate. Let me put it this way: I've got a really, I've got a really packed garage. You it's, at one point, it's, it's, it's annoying.
1: At one point, during the early days of this podcast, yeah, we used to make fun of you because you had upwards of seven thousand. I have DVDs. no
0: idea how many there are now. Do you have more
1: than seven thousand? I
0: have no idea anymore. I, 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 I just it boxes filled with boxes. I got to do something. I seriously, I have oh, to. Oh no, figure no, out. no! You should keep them all. Oh, thank you. Oh, I, I'll of course. Figure something out. You
1: never know when you're going to need to look at uh, <laughs> a scene from. <laughs>
0: From... Uh, anything. Anything, yeah. We can't even Bad think. Bad
1: bears and breaking training.
0: There we go. <laughs> All right. And we have one more uh, listener mail.
3: Hi there. Wade and Mark. Alexander Burlicka here. And uh, I have two questions regarding plasma screens. Number one is um, a couple of months ago, you guys mentioned uh, that many modern TVs have these modes which allow them to go at 120 hertz or even 240 And uh, I encountered this personally on my brother's 42-inch Panasonic plasma, which has some feature called uh, intelligent frame creation or some such. And uh, basically, it makes everything look like a Mexican soap opera. And for about nine months, I was literally just battling my brother and saying that there's something wrong here. You know, this is not what it's supposed to look like. And he kept saying that, no, you're just jealous because this is what proper HD must look like. And everybody says that it's perfect and basically I was the guy who kept screaming that the king is naked. Eventually I dug around the settings of the TV and uh, found a way to get rid of it, and now it works perfectly. So my question is, what is the point of such modes? What are they used for? Because obviously they are of no use to people who watch TV or watch Blu-rays because it just uh, basically obliterates the director's intentions. So is there really any proper use for such features, or is it just another pointless empty gimmick which is used to sell more units? And here's my question number two. This one has to do with up-converting DVDs. I am planning to get myself a plasma screen, probably around 40 inches, and I have a pretty big DVD collection, about 900 discs. And of course, I'm not going to be able to double-dip everything. And currently, I use a PlayStation 3 to watch Blu-rays. And uh, I remember a while ago, maybe some two or three years ago, Wade was saying that uh, if one has a good Blu-ray player and a TV which is not especially big, like, again, 40, maybe 42 inches, then uh, one will not be able to notice a great difference in the picture quality between a Blu-ray and an upconverted DVD. So will this be the case if I have, for example, a 40-inch plasma and a PS3? Or will I see some significant difference, which is, you know, obvious to the naked eye? So these are my questions. Looking forward to getting the answer in any shape or form, and as always, loving every second of the show. Keep up the great work, guys. Alexander,
0: two outstanding questions. Uh, answer to the to the first one with the bane of my existence. No that,
1: purpose, that zero. It,
0: you know what? It, it has two purposes. No, it one, doesn't. One for three D, and that's why it was introduced because the higher. This is why why Peter Jackson is shooting uh, the Hobbit. To, at a higher frame rate. He's shooting The Hobbit at like 45 frames a second or yeah, something but, like that. But,
1: but, but yeah, but they came out with 120 hertz LCD TVs in like 2007. They
0: did. But the idea was looking down the line primarily at 3D. But the, the other reason was for sports because there's no blur. There's no motion blur when you have 120 hertz going. And if you're looking at something that's already shot 30 frames a second like sports, like a football game… Then you add 120 hertz to it and it's like, oh, wow, I'm really on the field. And suddenly you can watch those slow motion replays and you know the the camera zipping as Kobe well, fine. jams They it just the... don't watch movies. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why they, a lot of them now have movie mode, which you should look for. They have modes that will turn that off. At least a lot of the sharps do. I'm noticing that. Well, you
1: can turn off. See, most or a lot of, all of them do. 120 hertz LCD TVs, they have... Yeah You know, low, medium, high settings For that 120 hertz crap Correct And the thing that people have to understand is that You know, you don't A lot of what you take A lot of what you take away When you turn on 120 hertz Yeah Is what makes film film Yeah You know, you don't want your film to look like As you hilariously said Alexandra, a Mexican soap opera (laughs) You want your movie to look like a movie Yeah You know, and... Film has a certain property Certain look Certain grain structure Mm -hmm. You know It's not meant to look So Much like video True And so really it's It's meaningless It's, It's I would imagine Directors hate it
0: uh, yeah, Because it compromises their original I, visions. It, that, but that's why. I mean, uh, m- and moving on to his second question, uh, I don't know that you're going to get great up-conversion out of the, uh, the PlayStation 3. I know, you, Mark, you have a PlayStation 3. Right?
1: I, 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 my PlayStation 3 is my one and only uh, Blu-ray DVD happy, player. Are you
0: happy with the up-conversion on DVDs? See, uh, most people well, I've heard from aren't.
1: Well, the Oppo I, is really one of the best out there. Denon has a good one.
0: Denon, I've heard, is really, really outstanding up-conversion. But Oppo has always been state-of-the-art. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say if you get an Oppo... And as far as the televisions are concerned, you know, stick with the brands that have really the high reputation for being able to reproduce film-level uh, resolution and, and brightness. Stay away from edge lighting. Uh, you want to get LED lighting and, uh, you know, not, not edge-lit LED. Uh, you know, the Samsungs, the Sharps, the Sonys, uh, those are the ones to stick with.
1: I would say, you know, I have a Pioneer. Pioneer doesn't make, they don't make plasmas anymore. They
0: don't make plasmas they anymore. They made high-end
1: plasmas. I spent a lot of money for my plasma.
0: But I think I think you're going to get out of your out of your plasma, out of your television, you're going to get the best if you get a great up-converting uh, player. And I'd, I'd say Oppo. You know, I've said Oppo before. I stick with Oppo now.
1: And don't spend less than $50,000 on your television.
0: All right, that's it. We are done. We will be back next week with uh, fantastic. You didn't even
1: hear what I said. Don't spend less
0: than $50,000 on your television. Why you I hear you, but you know, I can't indulge all of your humor. All right, we'll be back next week with more fantastic new releases. And uh, send us godsdigigods.com your suggestions for what our, our listener mail segment should be called. See you next week.
3: And very disappointing, Wade. We had no
1: audio questions. Nobody sent us an audio question. Those no, guys get, get the program. We would love your audio questions. Gods at digigods.com. Record it. Send it. We'll play it on the show. And
3: we'll even answer it.